to bring this up, but it'll just hurt my partner. I, I love them, and I don't want to hurt them. There is a world of difference between harming somebody and hurting someone. A surgeon has to hurt you to help you. Hopefully he doesn't harm you. Ephesians 4.15 says, speaking the truth in love. Your motives are to help your spouse, not hurt them. You can't help somebody if they don't know the truth about themselves. That's a little scary, isn't it? It's hard to have the courage to talk about potentially painful things, even if the objective is a more peaceful and harmonious relationship. Speaking the truth in love isn't always well received, so most of us find it easier to just ignore problems hoping that they will go away. But they usually don't go away. They fester, they grow until they become major issues and sometimes bring real harm to our marriages. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering and teaching at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. Today we are continuing Pastor Steve's series of messages on the biblical family. This is part one of a two-part message on effective communication. Now we'll hear the second part of the message tomorrow. We hope you will be able to tune in every weekday at this same time as we learn together from Pastor Steve's clear, expository teaching. We'll be focusing for a while on chapter 4 of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn there so you'll be able to read along. Now, let's begin our class. Now think about that question. How would you have answered that if you were asked, what do you think is the biggest hindrance to marital and family unity today? Some of us might have said financial pressures or um, busyness. We get so busy it's hard to spend time together or, or wrong priorities. Or some might say immorality. And, and others might have other answers. But do you know what the experts said? And I quote, As a counselor, I frequently encounter people who cannot resolve their problems or develop deep relationships because they don't know how to communicate effectively. They don't know how to communicate effectively. Isn't that answer interesting when you think about that? Because nothing was raised by this expert on any specific problem. He said communication was the real issue. He acknowledged that all couples have problems, but that not all couples know how to resolve those problems by good, healthy communication. They don't know how to resolve their problems. That's what he was saying. And maybe you don't know either. In fact, maybe most of us don't know how to resolve our problems as, as a pastor who has observed a lot of couples, and in my years of pastoral experience, I have counseled many couples, I would have to say that few marriages that I'm aware of have good, healthy, sound communications. And that is so critical, because as we saw last week from Genesis about what God designed marriage to be, we saw that that God brought Eve to Adam so that he might be one with her, that he might have a companion. And companionship and oneness is developed and built upon sound communications. We need a good communication system in order to have a healthy marriage. And you may be one as far as God is concerned, but if you are not functioning as one, then it is only a theological abstract truth it is not reality experienced in your life. 
And it is so unnecessary to have poor communication because the Bible tells us how to communicate effectively and how to solve our problems. The Bible is a book that addresses this issue. And one place that specifically addresses the issue and problem of communication is Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to focus on that. So I'd like you to turn to Ephesians 4. This chapter tells us God's way of handling a conflict. All couples have conflicts. All friends at one time or another have conflicts. People have conflicts. It's not the conflicts that are the problem. It's how to solve those conflicts. Now, let me just explain to you how the book of Ephesians or the letter of Ephesians is laid out because it's very important to understand what Paul is getting at. Ephesians chapter 1, going on through chapter 3, tells us about our riches in Jesus Christ. It's a doctrinal portion of Scripture. It says about the plan of of redemption, about God's sovereign plan, His love, His forgiveness. He's lavished upon us His grace. He speaks of the cross of Christ. And basically, He's telling us that we are rich in Jesus Christ. We have all spiritual blessings in Christ in heavenly places. But then when you turn to chapter 4, verse 1, you see this. Verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, he's just told us about our calling, chapters 1, 2, and 3. Now he says, I want you to walk in a manner that's worthy. Not that we're worthy. We're unworthy, but we are to walk in a worthy manner. And the word walk means daily manner of life. How you conduct yourself. But this isn't a walk alone. This isn't a walk alone. You cannot walk in the Christian life alone. But you walk with other people. And so as he moves to chapters 5 and 6, he tells us about relationships within the family. How husbands ought to love their wives. How wives ought to respond to their husbands. How parents ought to deal with their children. How children ought to respond to their parents. How employers ought to treat their employees. How employees ought to respond back to their employers and, and and he deals with that but too often we focus only on that we say oh that's all this book deals with concerning the the home but that's not true because before he specifically talks about the family paul lays down general principles in chapter 4 on how to communicate with others how to communicate because if these principles are followed then you'll have a sound relationship with other people especially a husband and wife. So you don't want to bypass chapter 4, as many do, and move to chapter 5. You want to look at chapter 4, and that's what we want to look at today and and, uh, uh, following time when we get together. But let's begin by looking at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk, there's that word walk, no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. He means the pagans, in the futility of their minds being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. And he says, that's the way you were, but you're not to be like that. Verse 20, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him, and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness 
of the truth. Now, basically, what he is saying is this. When you receive Jesus Christ, it already happens. You put off the old self. The King James Version calls it the old man. You put off the old man. And you put on the new man. It's just like you took off one set of clothes and you put on another set of clothes. Only this is far more significant than clothing. We became new creatures in Christ. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 means. New creatures in Christ. Now, since we are new creatures in Christ, we need to behave this way. We need to behave not as the old man, but as the new man. And that means the way we communicate and resolve our conflicts so that we will build healthy relationships. And let me just tell you this. The Apostle Paul would never have written this if everybody in that church got along. There's no reason that Paul would have to say anything if everyone was getting along. The reason he would have to write about don't behave like the old man is because certain people were behaving like the old man. And at times we all do that, but it's not right. And we need to recognize that the old man is off and the new man is on, so now we need to behave that way. Okay? So having established that, we're going to see two principles this morning of good, healthy, effective communication. There are more principles to come, but just this morning we're going to look at two. Principle number one, and I would encourage you to write this down, and I would encourage you, gentlemen, if your wives are not here, get this tape. Wives, if your husbands are not here, get this tape. You need to make sure that you both listen to this. Principle number one about effective communication is, number one, be honest. Be honest. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Good communication begins with honesty and openness. This is not an option. This is a command. You cannot build a relationship with your spouse apart from honesty and openness and truth. That's why if you go back a few verses to verse 15, he says basically the same thing, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. You mature. You speak the truth. Now, you may think, but I I don't lie to my spouse. I, I never lie to her. I never lie to him. But if you aren't truthful, if you are not truthful with your spouse, then you are living a lie. Because he or she may think that you feel one way, when in reality you feel another way. It is a form of deceitfulness. Now, I'm not saying spill your guts on everything. That that just wouldn't be proper. There are certain uh, vain imaginations of the heart that we don't share with anybody else. We just confess it to the Lord. But we're talking about a conflict between a husband and wife. You cannot solve a conflict unless you open up and speak what's on your mind. And if you don't do that, you're, you're really living a lie because your spouse is assuming that everything is all right and it's not all right in your heart. Now, let me illustrate how this works. I heard about a, a missionary couple who returned from the field a few years ago because the wife suffered from severe depression. So they came back home and they sought the help from a psychiatrist who met with them separately. But that didn't seem to help her. Then they met with a biblical counselor, that that is one who's committed to the Bible having answers for life's problems. They met with a biblical counselor who pointed out to them about being honest with each other. Remember, the psychiatrist had them meet separately, but the biblical counselor said, no, we meet together. You know what this this woman did when they met together? You know what she shared? She said this, and I don't know the the sequence or how this came about exactly, but she turned to her husband, and in the course of the, of the time together, she said, my problem is that when I married you, I didn't love you. And she had never said this before. And then she went on to say, I haven't loved you since. I've never loved you. 
but I've never told anyone the truth before. And she had been living with this for years. Now, you see, she had a problem. She had a problem, and nothing could be done to help her on her problem. All the counselors in the world could not help her because she never revealed her problem. Her husband and she could not sit down and straighten this out and address this because he didn't know what was wrong. She had never said it. See, that's why when a couple starts opening up in honesty to one another, you'll hear statements like this. You'll hear it between yourselves. Well, I I didn't know that you felt that way. Or how would you know it if you didn't share it? Or I didn't know that what I was doing was annoying you. I didn't know that this thing was so important to you. You hear many husbands say that. The wife will not open up. Or the husband will not open up. Well, I didn't know it was that important to you. Or I didn't know that you wanted me to do that. I'm sure we've all had that conversation. We don't want to hurt our spouses, but if they don't tell us that something we do hurts or annoys them, we'll just keep doing it, making them more miserable every day. In case you just tuned in, let us take a brief moment to introduce ourselves. You're listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the start of class, you can listen to the entire broadcast at versebyverseradio.org. Or you can subscribe to our free podcasting service. That website again is versebyverseradio.org. Well, we need to get back to class or we won't have time to finish. Here's Pastor Steve. Now, now let me just just interject something. Sometimes wives have trouble with this because in their minds they think that this violates the truth about submission. That somehow submission means that a wife can't speak. That's absolutely heretical. That is not submission. And, and some might say, but wait a minute, are you not forgetting? First Peter chapter 3, which says that a meek and quiet spirit is what pleases the Lord. That's right, but a spirit is not a voice. God said a meek and quiet spirit. That's a spirit that's at rest in the sovereignty of God. That's an attitude that says, I'm not restless. I'm trusting you, Lord, even to work through my unsaved husband. That's the context. God didn't say that a wife has to be quiet. God didn't say that that violates submission. That she needs to have an attitude of of respect and submission. Uh, And just as a husband needs to have an attitude of respect when he speaks to her. But saying, I disagree, or I want to tell you something really is bugging me, uh, that's not, not uh, uh, something she should consider not doing. She must do that to obey Scripture. Now, you see, when, when you don't communicate, you, you aren't honest, you hide things from each other. You cover up your real feelings, and, and you refuse to open up with each other. And, and uh, you, you know why this happens? And and I'm just following through with what we said last week. It's because of sin. It's a result of sin. Remember, let's look back at Genesis chapter 2. Remember we said, and if you were not here, I would encourage you to get the tape. I believe there are tapes available today. And there should be someone there after the service. You go right through those doors. Out. Don't turn to, to go out the front lobby. Just keep going towards the back and there'll be lakeside communications there. But in verse 25... We see this, speaking of Adam and Eve, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were naked, they, were, uh, uh, they had no coverings, they were not ashamed, sin had not entered in. Uh, they, they were obviously very transparent, both physically and, and in every other way. But then in chapter 3, after sin came into 
man's heart and, and man fell and woman fell. We read in verse 7 verse uh, of chapter 3, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. This was not only to hide from God. This was to hide from one another. Now they were hiding. Now they were covering up. And that's been the plight of a husband and wife ever since. It is, a, uh, it is sin that causes us to cover up. To cover up, to hide our, our true thoughts and refuse to open up is a sinful way of life. In fact, Paul would say it's the old man. That's the way the old man is. Because the old man is all that we were in Adam. That's falsehood. Ephesians 4.25 tells us that the new way of life is a life of transparency and openness. That is the new way of life. That's the way we're to live. Now, some people don't want to do this. Some people don't want to do this. They don't want to get things out in the open. And they have all kinds of reasons for holding things in. And, and, and I'm going to go through some of these things because uh, I want to tear down every excuse that, that people have. And I'll be doing this throughout this whole series because obviously we can't dialogue in this, uh, in this context. But uh, I do know what some people are thinking and I want to deal with that. Uh, there are some who feel like they, they just can't do this. They're not going to do this and for these reasons. I don't want to make a fuss. It's, it's nothing. It's not worth having a conflict over. You heard that? And maybe you do that. Well, it's not, look, I'm not going to bring it up because it's a big problem if I bring it up and I don't, I don't want to have a problem. Listen, you already have a problem. It's already a conflict in your heart. Honesty is the only way to resolve it. It won't go away by itself. Well, just forget it. Let's just forget it. You hear people say that. Just forget it. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, but who just forgets it? Nobody just forgets it. it you just seethe inside. That's all. And you save it for another day, and then you blast the person. It's not resolving a conflict. Or... Uh, I don't want to bring this up, but it will just hurt my partner. I, I love them, and I don't want to hurt them. There is a world of difference between harming somebody and hurting someone. A, a surgeon has to hurt you to help you. Hopefully, he doesn't harm you. Ephesians 4.15 says, speaking the truth in love. Your motives are to help your spouse, not hurt them. You can't help somebody if, you, if they don't know the truth about themselves. It's a form of falsehood, and you're not doing them any good to not, to, to not point out something that's wrong. In fact, Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. It is only someone who really loves you, someone who's really your friend, will say, I, I love you enough to tell you that this is wrong. And then Proverbs goes on to say, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. It is an enemy who says, everything's fine, it's all right, no problem, when there is a problem. Another reason people get, well, the other person may get angry. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've thought this. Some of these things are going to hit home. The other person may get angry. I don't want to bring this up. My response is, so they get angry. So they get angry. And what I would say to a person uh, who would explode, whether, whether in any relationship someone would explode with me, I'd say, okay, now that you've had your little temper tantrum, let's discuss the problem. In our family, we have a name for temper tantrums. We call them hissy fits. It's just kind of appropriate. It's such a silly little thing. It's a hissy fit. All right, now that you've had your little hissy fit, uh, let's discuss this problem and solve it. So they get angry. Okay. The bottom line is that the Bible says that we are to speak the truth to each other. It doesn't give any excuses. It just says speak the truth to one another. And if you don't discuss differences of opinions, if you refuse to express your thoughts, then little things will begin to pile up. 
It really will. Those unresolved little issues will eventually be blown way out of proportion so that things that, that, uh, that bother you are really not even the issues anymore. They've just been piling, 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 and then someone, uh, a spouse does something as silly as squeeze the toothpaste from the middle, and the other one just explodes. Why? Because that wasn't even the issue. It's other things that you never got out in the open. What you'll find is a terrible, large barrier between you and your spouse. And that's where many couples are. They've lived that long, they've lived so long like that that they don't even realize that that is really unacceptable. So be honest. But I want to give you some guidelines. You might want to write this down about speaking the truth. Some questions to ask yourself before bringing up a sensitive issue of honesty. Number one, is my timing right? It's very important. Is this the proper time to bring this up or would some other time be better? It's important. Timing is important with this. Proverbs 15:23 says, How delightful is a timely word. A timely word, which means it's not delightful when your timing isn't right. Examples of poor timing would be something like this. Late at night, the other person is tired. They're about to, to fall asleep. And one, one partner says, you know, there's something that's really bothering me. That's just not the right time. That's just not. That, you don't want to do that now. That's just, that's just poor timing. Or when your spouse just, he just walks or she just walks in the door and uh, you say, Something's been bothering me all day. Sit down. You know what that does? That just messes the whole evening up because that sets the tone for the evening. Don't, don't uh, hit on your spouse when they walk through the door or when your spouse is running out the door. I'm late. I've got to go to, I gotta go to work or I have a meeting. Oh, wait. I've got something that's really bothering me. No. You just hold that in for that time and then deal with it. So your timing needs to be right. Another question to ask yourself. Do I have the right attitude? Now, how do you know if you have the right attitude? Well... Uh, it's really very simple. Are you trying to help the other person or are you just getting this off your chest? That's, that's your motive. Speaking the truth in love. If it's just this is bugging me and I'm going to tell you the way it is, uh, that's not the right attitude. You need to want to help the other person. A third thing to ask yourself, question to ask yourself, are the words that I use the best possible way of saying it? See, there are kind words and there are nasty words. There are nasty words and many couples are nasty with one another. Proverbs 15, verse 1. And Proverbs is great on on all of this because Solomon wrote about wisdom and relationships. And he said, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you have a harsh word, you're going to keep the conflict going. You have a gentle answer, a, a, a kind way of, of expressing it, then that's the best way of saying it. See, there are good words. Honesty doesn't mean brutality. There's a kind and gracious way of speaking things. And then there's a corrupt, hard, nasty way of, of getting a conflict out in the open. Which brings us to another principle of effective communication. The first one is be honest and open. It is so simple. It is so absolutely simple that it's amazing that uh, so few couples follow this. I, I just know that's the fact. Be honest and open and speak the truth. Honesty with each other is just essential to healthy relationships. We're out of time today, so we'll get to that second principle of effective communication in our next broadcast. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. 
This radio Bible class is led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested people who have first been supportive of their local church. If you would like to hear Pastor Steve's entire message, you can order an audio CD by calling 727-239-0306. Please leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-239-0306. We're glad you could join us, and we hope to see you in class again for the conclusion of Pastor Steve Kreloff's message on effective communication. I'm Peter Silsap. I hope to see you then. Music